This is Moonshine and Scoreboards with Kevin, Landon, and Justin. Hello and welcome to Moonshine and Scoreboards episode 7. I'm your host Kevin and I've got a jam-packed episode this week as college football is really kicking up the intensity. And to talk about it all, I've got my wonderful co-host Justin. Justin, how are we doing? Doing good, Kevin. Ready to, you know, come and defend my picks championship from last week. I am back on top of the world and we are tied once again overall. So I'm proud of that. It's- is that how we're going to start this? That's how we're starting it. Coming in hot. Okay. <laughs> Coming in hot. Okay. Okay. Well, funny you bring up the picks because last week we had our wonderful, uh, our, our great third chair, our guest picker, Tom, who, yep. who was wonderful to have on the podcast. And we had a great time with him. His picks, eh, maybe not so great, uh, but it was well, fun to chat with him. He was great. He was great. He, and I, and I told him, you know, he brought some credibility to the show. He sounded like a real professional. He sounded like he knew what he was talking about. The picks didn't quite go his way, and he was texting me this yeah. weekend. He's like, I'm <laughs> never going to be welcome back on the show, am I? <laughs> no, 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 no. We want him to come back so the next time he comes back, we can get his picks and then bet against <laughs> <Yeah>. him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we'll make our money back that we lost. That's sort of what he said, too. He said, if anybody went against all my picks, they made out like a bandit. So, yeah. <laughs> But it was funny because we got to talking and between Justin and myself, we decided, you know, last week was so much fun with a third chair that why don't we just add a permanent third chair? Yeah. And so we decided that we're going to add a permanent third chair. And I'd like you guys to give a nice warm welcome to our permanent third chair, our third official co-host, Landon. Landon, welcome to Moonshine and Scoreboards. Hi, everybody. It's me. It's me. It's the DOZ. Landon the Dozdode. Happy to be the third chair right here on Moonshine and Scoreboards. Thank you guys so much for extending the invite. A big fan of the show. First, when it was introduced as a uh, surprise in the Passholder Lounge podcast feed, and now here with its very own uh, podcast feed. Very happy to be here. Excited, one might say. Yeah. And you fit right in, too, because you, just like us, you're a Tennessee Vol before you're anything else, and you you enjoy the sports world at large. I'm speaking on your behalf, but you can you can. That's call fine. If not I'm the wrong, first time you've done that, not the last time you'll do that, but please continue. <laughs> but, but you know, the, this whole show is really based on the fact that Kevin and I, we, we wanted to talk sports, we wanted to talk sports at large, but... At our hearts, we're Tennessee Vols fans. So what people that's the thing people need to know. It's a I consider this a sports roundup through the lens of a Tennessee Vols fan, and you fit right into that. So welcome to the show, man. I'm I'm glad you're with us. Well, like I said, excited to be here and uh, very honored and appreciative of the uh invite to be the uh third chair. Hopefully I pass the audition. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> As long as I think you'll pass the audition, you just got to get three picks right and you'll, you'll do better than Tom. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Tom, for uh, obviously appearing on last week's episode. Uh, it was a great listen. And uh, I guess a bigger thanks for setting the bar incredibly low uh, because I'm coming in here. And if I get three of the picks right, I'm looking really, really good. That's right. Yeah. You can do it. You can do it. Now smash cut right. to me just going over the pick segment. It's going to be incredible. Just so good. So good. Oh, for 10. That'd be hilarious. Um, 
Now, while it's all great right now, I do have some sad news, guys. Uh oh. We're officially halfway through the college football regular season. No, it feels like it just started. I know. That's just like super depressing. We wait, you know, almost nine months for college football to come, and we're heading into week seven now. And it's a 12 week, you, you play 12 games, and simple math says that week seven is is over the halfway point. But there is a silver lining is at the halfway point. You typically get these games kind of, you know, kick up the intensity. And I think we saw that last week. Uh, Last week was a, was a fun slate. If you ask me, you're not wrong. You're Mm -hmm. not wrong. I got to tell you something. And I know we've got our list that we're going to recap. And and I, I just had a quick thought. Uh, that I wanted if to. If it's jump about right Notre in. Dame, I don't want to hear not, it. It's not Notre Dame. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to Notre Dame. No, I just wanted to say, man, isn't this is like the second week in a row that Arizona at home has really played tough against a tough opponent? Um, I know that was a Pac-12 after dark kind of game, but like going mm. three overtimes with USC, I didn't see the end of it. That was way past my bedtime, but. I was following along. I was watching that game, and and man, it just reminds you what we're losing, you know, with the Pac-12 going away. Is is these exciting, high-scoring games um, out there on the left coast? But you know, I, I know I know these teams are still going to be playing football. But it's it's just the Pac-12 after dark is is a fun is a fun time. It always it's, has. It's kind of become a college football staple for those who are in the know. You watch your. Uh, noon kickoffs. If you're in the South, you watch your SEC on CBS. Another thing that's going away after this season as the SEC moves to the ABC slash ESPN uh, family of networks. But then after you settle down, after you have your dinner, you you settle in for the evening and watch some Pac-12 after dark. And that Arizona USC was just, I mean, haymaker after haymaker. It was, it was, it was a classic. And I, I kind of talking on what you're talking about. It made me realize, man, I'm going to miss this stuff next year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, it's okay. We'll get big 12 and after dark, like I said, I'm going to miss this stuff next year. <laughs> big, big 10 after dark. You'll be seeing Ohio uh, state playing USC kicking off at 10 o'clock. It'll be fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you're right, Justin. It's, it's, uh, it's fun to enjoy it right now, but it's also like kind of sombering to sit there and be like, well, you know, it, it's not going to be the same next year when you're having this teams and the West Coast playing these teams in the Midwest and vice versa on, you know, different time, different time kickoffs. Who knows? We may not be getting as many after dark games next year as we are this year, you know, because these teams are going to be split up in different conferences. Um, right. And they'll, so, they'll definitely, they're definitely going to try to fit them in, into more primetime windows, I think, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. With all the money being spent. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They want as many eyeballs on these games as they can get. Yeah. But, but yeah. my point really was not only about the PAC 12, but that's two tough games in a row. This one was at USC. I, I misspoke, but um, play, they played Washington last week. They played USC this week and Arizona pushed them both to the brink. Um, I, I don't know what to take from that, and I know Kevin in in your questions in the notes, you you want to you you basically are calling out USC's defense, and I think you're right to do that. I I mm-hmm. think that they're 
their defense has looked suspect, but you know, is Arizona better than their three and three record? I, I mean, they look tough. Yeah, I think Arizona, I mean, we can go ahead and start there if you want to. I mean, the final of that game, USC 43, Arizona 41, like you said, a three overtime thriller. Um, Arizona, like you said, back-to-back weeks, pushing a Pac-12 quote-unquote contender to the brink of losing. Um, I think Arizona is a lot better than their 3-3 and record suggests. I don't think that they're going to be contending for the Pac-12. But to me, the bigger takeaway isn't so much Arizona themselves. It's more USC's defense, like you had mentioned. That defense is atrocious. I mean, they are I I got some numbers. I did some I did some number calculating this week. Y'all do that on this show? I'm glad occasionally I don't do math. (laughs) I I did it I did it today. I did it today. I was like, let me let me find some numbers today. Um so I I did some numbers. They're allowing the twenty second most yards per game in the nation. Okay. That's four hundred and twenty one yards a game they're allowing. And they're allowing twenty seven points per game. Now, you got to look at who they've played. They haven't played anybody with a dynamic offense besides Colorado. So you're allowing 27 points per game, and you haven't really hit the beef of your schedule. You haven't really hit these Pac-12, these other Pac-12 contenders with these other great offenses. And I don't know. My question in the notes, like you had said, Justin, was um, the offense is so good, led by Caleb Williams, and, and they're having a great season they're putting up a lot of points, but is this defense going to cost them what could be a magical season? And I think the answer to that is a very resounding yes. Yeah, I'm going to echo what you what you just said there, Kevin. I think it's an emphatic yes. The defense is eventually going to cost this potent USC offense down the line. You talk, they haven't gotten to the meat of their schedule. We're going to see them, uh, I believe, going on the road to Notre Dame later this week. You, uh, How many yards did you say this defense is averaging, giving up this year so far? 400 and what, 61? 421. 421. This Arizona team, which to Jay's point, I think is better than their 3-3 three and three record indicated. Uh, they had a total of 506 yards in the Coliseum this past week. That's a lot of yards. It's That's insane. a lot of yards. Even with my back quarterback. Tw- it, 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 yeah. 506 <laughs> yards is a lot, even by Pac-12 standards. And we talk about the USC offense being prolific, led by Caleb Williams, reigning Heisman, trophy winner, yada, yada, yada. Um, They were able to squeak it out in overtime, putting up 43 points. But Caleb Williams kind of had a pedestrian-ish game only putting up 219 yards himself so we've seen it time and time again when the games really matter particularly late in the years particularly when it was the bcs championship now when it's playoff time when you have to count on your defense to get a stop when you can't just count on your team to go out there and drop you know 40 50 60 points eventually that is going to come back to bite you. And I mean, like, it was fun to watch, but we've seen time and time again this USC defense early in the year kind of put their offense in uh, positions that they just really don't want to find themselves in. And one time, okay, that's that's an exception, not the rule. But we've seen it several times. And as Kevin pointed out, we're halfway through the year. At this, at this point, it's kind of a trend. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, 
I think you another very obvious point, another knock on that defense. Look what Colorado did against yes. Oregon. They put up six points. They put mm-hmm. up 41 points against USC. <laughs> you yep. know, I mean, it's like, and, and you're going to sit there and tell me that that USC team that allowed 41 points to Colorado is then going to go and play Oregon, who allowed six points to Colorado. And how, how, how do we think that that matchup's going to go? You know, I mean, if the Oregon defense did what they did to Colorado. 100 on USC. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that, that final Dude. score of that game is going to be like 110 <laughs> to like 91. Your first I mean, one to 90 wins. <laughs> yeah, the Pac-12 is really going out with a bank um, <laughs> with, that, with that USC defense. Um, but I, I just don't know. I think, Landon, you alluded to it. They, they have a tough game against Notre Dame this week. They're hitting the beef of their schedule. And and I think that sooner rather than later, the defensive struggles are going to catch up to them. I mean, this is something that I'm going to talk about later. Also, when I'm talking about one of these other games, but these are twenty-something-year-old guy kids. You know, you can't just tell Caleb Williams week in and week out, "Hey, you got to carry us, buddy," because nobody mm-hmm. else is doing it. It's got to be you. At some point, he's going to buckle under that pressure. He's going to have a less than pedestrian game, he's going to have a bad game and they're going to lose. Yep. And I don't know. I think, I think it's just coming sooner yeah. rather than later. I mean, yeah, this I is, mean, this is USC's schedule the rest of the way this Saturday at Notre Dame weekend after that versus Utah at California, uh, home for Washington at Oregon. And then they close out the season with their rivalry hosting, well, quote unquote, hosting UCLA. So in the next six games they have, as of this recording, 10, 10, 23, uh, those six games, you're looking at facing four of six ranked teams. What do you think? Wouldn't it be crazy if they lost four games? <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to go that wild. far, but, <laughs> but I very easily see Two losses in that. Yeah, at least. I at see least. three at least. Yeah. I mean, they're, I, they're not, I, they're not I, better than Washington and they're not better than Oregon. No. And, yeah. Yeah. And Notre Dame, Notre Dame at, at Notre Dame is an is angry not Notre Dame an team. Angry Notre Dame. That. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Sam yeah. Hartman's going to resurrect his Heisman uh, campaign. I feel it. Me and my <laughs> Talk to me, bet. boys. You're speaking my language. Keep talking. Keep talking. <laughs> um, but speaking of sooner, they're, they're the defense costing them sooner rather than later. How about that Oklahoma Texas game? Ooh, last... Man, that was a phenomenal transition, Kevin. Great job. Thank you. I appreciate that. I try real hard. Um, the Red River Red River Shootout. I'm not calling it the Red River Rivalry. Yeah, hey, I'm with you, but uh, because I heard a lot of professional announcers uh, really mess that up, and I'm not a professional, so I <laughs> Red River Rivalry. Uh, no, it's the Red River Shootout. Um, yep. And what a game it was. That was a fantastic game. Oklahoma pulls one out uh, 34-30. Uh, my favorite bet in college football is betting the over on this game. Over yep. was set at 60 points. Over cash due to some late game heroics by both teams. Uh, so I appreciate that. But um, <laughs> Wasn't that one I you think, said to bet the mortgage on? On the over? Smash hey, the you over? always bet. You always smash the over and you always hit, hit, bet the mortgage on the over in the Red River shootout. 
That doesn't seem like good financial advice. (laughs) (laughs) Not in the Big 12 championship game if they rematch. Don't bet the over there. Just in this one. (laughs) I feel like we need a disclaimer when he says that. We've been don't saying, really bet your mortgage. <laughs> yeah, we've been trying to tell people from the beginning: do not put any money on anything we say. And so far, people are not listening to us. So you know what? A fool and his money. You know what they say? Yeah. But especially when that, the mortgage is involved. Come on, guys. In this economy, you got to foreclose. That's okay. Um, um, but I mean, this game came down to the wire. Texas and Steve Sarkeesian, some questionable coaching decisions. Um, ended up kicking a field goal with about two minutes left. And Dylan Gabriel said, you know what? I'm here. I'm real. I'm, I'm taking, I'm throwing my name in the Heisman hunt. Oklahoma's throwing their name in the playoff hat. And, and he led them right down the field for a touchdown. Uh, do we think that Oklahoma is for real? Do we think that Oklahoma is really a playoff contender? Or do we think that this is kind of just a, I don't know, maybe just a, a lucky win against Texas. Well, I'll just jump in and I'll say, first of all, I picked Oklahoma to win that game. Um, mm-hmm. And they certainly did. And I I honestly think Oklahoma is a legitimate playoff contender. I mean, let's take, take a look. I mean, what have they got on the, on the schedule for the rest of the year um, that might potentially trip them up? I mean, I don't know outside of Texas if Kansas, anyone... I think. Say what? Kansas? Don't they play Kansas, Kansas. still? Uh, that's uh, yeah, yeah. They got Kansas uh, at the end of this month, and that is at Kansas. Yeah. So that's, that'll be. But I was. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, that's the only game I could see them tripping up on. Yeah, going and, on and, the road to BYU. Uh, possibly, I, as it stands right now, I think Oklahoma could take care of business. Um, their final final match as of now against. Their in-state rival against Oklahoma State, that is going to be a high-emotion game, and that is on the road in Stillwater. So, I mean, that could get crazy, and then they close out their season hosting TCU. We don't know what to expect from this TCU uh, team. Obviously, they're not the TCU team from last year, but... I. I think Oklahoma is going to be favored in most of their games, if not all of their games going forward. And this is a, this is an Oklahoma state team that lost 33 to seven to South Alabama this year. Um, So I I mean, yes, I agree with you. You, Rivalry games. You can throw like the stats and what's on paper out the window and it is at Stillwater. So I get that. But I think, I think Oklahoma, they're in control of their destiny. Um, Mm -hmm. you, You take care of business with Kansas and you're going to be fine. Um, and they will be like, aside from, I think even if they get to the, the big 12 championship game, like if it's a rematch rematch with Texas, if they were to, to lose, I think they could still be in the conversation. So actually um, this year, I think with the amount of teams that are like Mm -hmm. questionable, if Mm -hmm. Oklahoma loses that game and if it's like a close game, like this one was, I mean, let's not forget. I know it was early on the season. Texas did beat Alabama. Right. And Alabama's looking really good right now. Well, so, you know, I don't know. Alabama's looking like the Alabama of old. (laughs) They sort of won despite themselves this week. I mean, they did. There were six sacks. They committed how many penalties? I think nine false starts or something. They they were, Milrow had two interceptions. Like they, 
they tried to give that game to Texas A&M, but luckily what, you know, what, what was in uh, Alabama's favor in that equation is Jimbo Fisher was across the field. So, I mean, I I don't think, you know, that man, that man needs to be uh, on every hot seat radar possible. I don't know how he hasn't been till now. Is his, but basically is he, it's the buyout. His his buyout. buyout. Yeah. 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 Although I did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I did see somewhere that the A&M boosters like have the money set aside okay. to pay out the buyout, but I just don't think that they necessarily want to do that. But yeah, when you're owed like $90 million, yeah, <laughs> you're kind of stuck. Yeah, well, I guess I still can't good. believe they gave him that contract. That's insane. Texas insane. A&M know, at this point can't believe they gave him that contract. Yeah. I know a couple of weeks ago I was on here saying that he's the fifth best coach in the SEC and this, that, and the other. I take it all back. I take it all back. <laughs> he's not. <laughs> he showed me that Saturday. That was – and then his press conference after. We'll talk about that, but he he had a couple of clown show coaches this weekend uh, with him and Mario Cristobal. Oh, my God. Uh, as well Ew. as Steve Sarkeesian. Well, yeah, so oh, just my lord. But but just put a, a button on that. Alabama's Alabama, Nick Saban's Nick Saban. I'm not trying to downplay any of that. I'm just saying what's scary is if you think they look good now, they did not play a pretty game against Texas A&M. So mm-hmm. that's scary, I think. Yep, I, I think they're coming. Um, we talked about rivalries. We talked about rivalries a little bit earlier uh, in, the, in the Oklahoma and Texas game and also about the USC-UCLA I think this is a good time to just spit out real quick. Who do we think the top five college football rivalries are? Just Ooh, that's real quick. a really good question. All right. Um, so I was prepared for this, and I still don't know if I have a great answer, but I'm going to, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll try to start. I'll say, against all of my better judgment, Ohio State, Michigan has probably got to be like one of the first ones that you throw out there. Um, I, I just don't know if it gets much, but I think everybody in the college football world respects that rivalry. Um, so I don't know if we want to do like top five, like I go through all my five, but like, I would be, I'd be fine if we make this sort of a joint conversation because yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. And Uh, I I have Michigan, Ohio state too. Yeah. I was going to say, I also have. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State, and I was going to say I think it might be a good idea to make this a conversation because I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of overlap here. Yeah, yeah. right. Oh. Yeah, uh, I also had Oklahoma and Texas, as did yeah. I. Um, of course. Yep. Yeah. I think those are those are two good ones. Um, of course, the Iron Bowl, living yeah. in the South. That was my number that's one. Kind of like a territory. Really, that was your number one. That was my number one. Like I, wow. I, I, I had a. Like number one with conviction being the Iron Bowl. Then I had two through four that I could kind of m- mesh around, and then I had a fifth one that honestly a strong uh, conversation could change my mind on. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, but the number yeah. one with a bullet is the Iron Bowl: Alabama versus Auburn. Wow. Yeah. I mean, for me, that one was number five. Really Which is wild and yeah, I I don't know. I I guess just because kind of the last few years Alabama's like kind of dominated that rivalry, which isn't very fair being as my number three is Tennessee, Florida. 
Well, Tennessee, uh, Alabama. <laughs> I was I was going to say one of the two through four that uh, is kind of fluid based on your saying Tennessee's uh, or rather Alabama's dominated. Uh, one of the two through four is the third Saturday in October. It's Tennessee, Alabama, <laughs> even though yeah. Alabama has just eaten Tennessee's lunch for well up until last year, what felt like forever. It's it's the third Saturday in October. Like I like I'll I'm going to make this a short story. When I was at MTSU, uh, I uh, and I was doing sports, a sports broadcast. A professor was trying to be like Landon. Why didn't you cover any MTSU football sports? I looked at him and I was like, It's the third Saturday in October. <laughs> Nobody cares about MTSU football. It's Tennessee versus Alabama. And he did not have a comeback for me. And right. this was an MTSU professor. That's how big yeah. this rivalry is in the South. Yeah. In the it, state of Tennessee. I, I yeah, know that we I, always say we're, we're biased, right? We're Tennessee fans. Oh, 1,000%. Yes. You cut I was, me. I, 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 I believe big orange. I was hesitant to throw that one out there, but I, I agree with you. I mean, being on this side of it, like for me, and, and Kevin and I had this conversation earlier in our in the podcast episodes, but... For me, Tennessee, Alabama is Alabama's the number one rival for Tennessee, and yes, and that game has always meant more to me than anything else. Yeah, so I mean, I think that game carries a little bit more historical significance as well, mm-hmm. um, and and that's kind of why I put that. I mean, on my list, I had Tennessee versus Florida slash Alabama, but if you made me pick one, I'd probably say Alabama just because. It has the name. It you know it it has the history. It has the cigars and and it, it's you know it it's a bigger rivalry game. And then the last one that I had on there was uh, Florida Georgia. Ah, me like too. One, me too. I feel that like that was, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was the one that that I was saying. Any like if if I got a strong conversation for another one, I could maybe take it off the list. But again, because it has the name, the world's largest cocktail party. Even though for whatever reason yeah. they want to go away from it. <laughs> That's awesome. Shut up. Decision makers who want to get away from that. Like I, I I think that is one of the biggest rivalries in college football. It's the same reason. It's the same people who took away the beer barrel from. Oh, I, I almost put Kentucky, Tennessee on there, but because they don't have the beer beer barrel, it didn't make the cut. But I I want to throw a couple out just from a historical and sort of like a reverence perspective. How about army Navy? That I mean, yeah, I didn't mm-hmm. even think about that. But yeah, once you said historical and reverence, I was like, "Damn it, he's going to say Hermie." Yep, <laughs> that yeah. that almost made it, it is my number five because I, I mean, like, like you talk about it, it, it's like just it's one of those times where the entire nation comes together and watches the football. It's like, right. yeah. like you you're not necessary un- unless you served for. Army or Navy, which, I mean, if you did and you're a listener, thank you for your service. Greatly appreciated. You're not necessarily cheering for one side or the other. You're cheering for both teams, and you just want a dang good game. And it's the one time that, you know, like like city presidents come out to watch this game, and it's a big dang deal. So, like, yeah, I th- that that almost made my top five as well. It's one of the only games. I'm pretty sure it is the only game that day. So it's right. like the only rivalry game that is like the only game on it TV that day. Game. You don't have much of an option. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Another one, and not that it has any impact to Division One football, but Harvard Yale is another one that I would throw out. Yeah. Shut uh, up, nerds. They've been playing <laughs> since 1875. I mean, that's a long rivalry, and it's close: 68, 61, and eight. So 
They've been going back and forth. Um, I would say I was going to put this out there, but the one that I think about just because of the like it's called the big game and, and you've got the history behind it is Cal Stanford. Yeah, one. the history of and and that was another one that, that was also in my receiving votes. And obviously, you know, the band is on the field, the band is on the and but I, like I do think it has to have you know impact for postseason implications. And I just don't know if that one has been relevant in the scheme of things in a really long time. No, it hasn't. But right, it just has the history, and it's the big game. One more that you say postseason implications and. And relevance to, you know, championships. The one that's this weekend, USC Notre Dame. There you go. I think that mm-hmm. one's one that I knew we were that gonna get there. <laughs> kinda Thought gets about overlooked that one too. a little yep. bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't make my list, but I I do think that it's a it's a big rivalry game and the battle for the jeweled shillelagh. <laughs> interesting interesting name. It's a pretty um, dope trophy. A jeweled shillelagh. Which, by the way, that was my stripper name when I was in college. (laughs) (laughs) The George Shillelagh. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I guess we can go ahead and and rip the Band-Aid off. I just mentioned Notre Dame. Another great transition for you, Landon. I love it. It's what I'm here for, baby. (laughs) Yep. Mark it up. Give give me a running tally. (laughs) The Louisville Cardinals, they they just dismantled Notre Dame. 33 to 20. that coming? (laughs) Jeff Uh, Brom. Jeff Brom. Did you know that Jeff Brom and Brian Brom both went to Louisville? I didn't know that. I had no idea. I mean, (laughs) they only said it about 30 times in the broadcast. I would have never guessed it. Um, Better story. uh, Recording artist Jack Harlow was on the field and said, uh, Jeff Brom's the shit. He's the shit. (laughs) Jack Harlow. New rule. Also, I apologize. I don't know if I can can swear, so I apologize. Edit. Yeah. No, you're good. It's welcome. It's welcome. Okay, good. <laughs> um, uh, I guess I'll go ahead and eat my tears, eat, eat, eat my crow. Uh, my national champion pick, dead in the water. Um, I, I'm, I'm I know Justin was smiling not, ear to ear. I'm not laughing at you, Kevin. I just, I'm just <laughs> thinking back to our initial conversation when you threw that out there, and I was like, "You've lost your mind," and yeah, well, and but you you felt strongly about it. And I, I applaud you for that. You know, that's what this when, is all about. That's what being a sports fan is all about. You, you believe until you, there's no, there's no way that it can happen anymore. And then you and, keep believing. And then despite keep, I kept believing. Uh-huh, they yeah. lost to Ohio State and I kept believing. I was like, nope, there's a chance. It's just there's Ohio State. That's, that, that's a good <laughs> loss. They lost at the last yeah. second with 10 men on the yep. field for two plays for some reason. <laughs> yep. I was like, there's a chance, you know, they're, they're going to come through and, and, you know, when I fall, I fall hard, and and I fell hard for Notre Dame and, and Sam Hartman. I thought that he was the missing piece. Um, he had the longest stretch to start a season without throwing an interception in Notre Dame history. Yeah, and then on the first drive, he threw an interception, um, and then he threw two more. <laughs> yeah, he had a bad game. The Notre Dame offensive line had a bad game. Um, Audric Estime was hurt. That didn't help, but that's not an excuse. They lost by freaking two scores. Yep. Um, And it wasn't wasn't as close as that score said. But I will say it got away from at the end when they started sort of doing their, like, last-ditch effort to try to get some points on the board. Hartman was trying to make plays. Like, they were just trying to make something happen, and and it got away from them. It was just a tight game, like, throughout. Mm -hmm. 
the the and Louisville played in my opinion over their heads. Um maybe it was the Jack Harlow magic, I don't know. But <laughs> but that was something. That was that was why you know what's kind of wild about it is is really I started watching that game in the first quarter and when when it was just tight and Louisville was putting points on the board and standing toe to toe, I told <laughs> I told Casey I was like I think I did it. When we were doing our picks last week, I purposely picked Notre Dame so that all three of us would do it, and I rever- I worked that reverse voodoo on Notre Dame, and no, now this they're is going. Your fault. There's a just a Kritzinger curse. I did it. Yeah. The JCC. My, the sadness that I felt Saturday was because of you. Um, I, I think it I, might I be know. because because Notre Dame had five turnovers. That might be culprit number one, <laughs> Kevin. But but yeah yeah, let's blame it on was. Jay. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting there with my dad and my dad's a huge Notre Dame fan and he was in all of his Notre Dame gear and uh, you know my family came over and and we were all watching the game and and I just felt this sinking feeling of sorrow coming over me and just dread as as the interceptions kept piling up and the three and outs kept piling up and I was like this is this isn't going to end very well. Um that was I do want to say though Sorry, Kevin. I was just gonna, the thing that surprised me was that that Notre Dame just couldn't. It, it seemed like they just couldn't ever get anything going. I, I, that was yeah. a shock to me. Um, well, like is it Louisville? I, I wouldn't say Louisville's defense is the best defense Notre Dame's going to face, and probably not the best one they face this year. But like, no, they, that was just wild to me. Yeah, the offensive line had a really, really bad game. Um, and I will give a free shout out the late kick podcast with Josh Pate. I do listen to it. It's a I podcast. was listening. It's a great podcast. Um, if you also like college football, one to add your rotation. I was listening to it on Sunday. Um, and he, he gave a, a good thought that I wanted to share on this show was that he said that when you're Notre Dame, you're every team's Super Bowl when you play them at their stadium because you're Notre Dame. Yeah. And and in Notre Dame's defense, they had two back-to-back dramatic, intense games, one in Ohio State, one you were Duke Super Bowl last week, and, and now you're doing it for the third week in a row, you're Louisville Super Bowl, and sometimes you just aren't ready to be every team's Super Bowl. And, and it was very obvious that Notre Dame was not ready. I don't know if that falls on coaching. I don't know if that falls on... You know, Marcus, uh, yeah, if it's the head coach, if it's Marcus Freeman, if it's the offensive coordinator, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but, but they were exhausted, and it, and it showed that they were mentally exhausted. And for my sake, because I already bought my tickets and my plane flight and my hotel, I hope they're not mentally exhausted on Saturday. I wow. hope they're... I hope they're alive. <laughs> uh, in, in response to that, I, I think that is a fair comment, but I will also say that is not unique to Notre Dame. Like, think about, right. think about Alabama's Georgia. the same way. Think about Alabama. Think about Ohio State. Like, the, the the big teams that are consistently at the top of the polls. This is something that happens, you know, year in, year out, year out, week in, week out for those major like big school. Tennessee's been there too when we were on top of the yep. world. I like mean, we, look at Spencer Rattler in South Carolina. Well, I was just about to say, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Spencer Rattler can can relate since they were Tennessee Super Bowl this year. Uh, wait, wait. If right. you hear that, Spencer Rattler just got sacked again. <laughs> yeah. 
but but anyway, uh, but 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 it's true. It is true. Um, my question though is so <laughs> uh, when they were coming out of halftime, uh, Coach Freeman came out and they were interviewing uh, him before he ran out ran on the field. And if you if you know anything about me, one of the things I hate is in game coach interviews. I think it's useless. We don't need it. We don't need we don't need in game coach or player interviews. Stop doing it in every sport. I hate it. Um, but he said. <laughs> He said, I just told the guys, Notre Dame has got to stop beating Notre Dame. And I said, well, now we're going to find out if his motivational speech worked at all. They looked terrible after halftime. They did. I so, mean, they had a little bit of a run towards the end of the third quarter where they got the game within uh, with, within a touchdown. But like but I mean, you said, then, I mean, yeah. they just couldn't stop Louisville. They couldn't stop Louisville at all. And, and Louisville, Louisville took it over midway through the third quarter and never looked back. Yeah. Yep. And they kind of and the drives that Louisville had were were perfect drives against a team like Notre Dame. They were eating the clock. And I mean, what it scared me when that first drive was like nine minutes that Louisville had, and I was like, yeah. Oh shit. This uh, is not good. <laughs> yep. I was like, they they know the recipe. They're gonna hold that ball and run, run, pass if they have to, run, run, run if they have to, you know. They're they're gonna get it. Uh but I guess, I mean, if you're Notre Dame, you just get to do what you've done every year since, I don't know, the last time they won a national championship for a long-ass time. Uh, it's just minute, buddy. hope to play the spoiler, and, and that starts Saturday. Um, but, I mean, but, that's uh, the thing. It's like talking about playing the spoiler. We've talked about how so far we're halfway through the college season, and there's been a lot of, eh, at the top of the rankings, there hasn't been that dominant force that, that particularly out of Georgia we've seen in the last few years where it's like, okay, this is clearly the cut above everybody else where it's like this force of nature where, where they just roll the ball out there and it's like, Oh, they have uh eight of 11 players out there are going to be starting on Sunday slash Monday in the national football league. If specifically if, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Specifically right. for the but, Philadelphia uh, Eagles, yeah, I, I, I love how uh, Georgia has turned into a pipeline to the Eagles. It's hilarious, as, as if you needed another reason to hate the Eagles. But um, I, I mean, I'm totally going to admit Notre Dame has a uphill climb the rest of the way. But if they can find a way to run the table, this Louisville loss is going to hurt their resume. But is it outside the realm of possibility that? a two-loss Notre Dame team with a on-the-road loss to a ranked Louisville team and a last-second loss to Ohio State, which we have to assume is either going to go undefeated or is going to lose one game to Michigan the last week of the season. I mean, unlikely, yes, but it's not outside the realm of possibility if they run the table. Notre Dame could 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 somehow sneak their way into the playoffs, especially if they come out this Saturday and pull the upset against USC. Because we already talked about how USC's defense kind of Swiss cheese. Mm. Landon, I will say as the biggest Notre Dame drum beater on this podcast, uh, eh, I don't know. (laughs) I'm trying to give myself confidence (laughs) for my Sam Hartman future Heisman uh, ticket I have with FanDuel. That 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 one maybe you know there's still hope for Sam Hartman, Notre Dame when you lose by 13, eh, I don't know. 
Uh, no, hold on. Let me look at my picks. Uh, coming. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Everything I just said. Uh, let's go ahead and throw that out the window. <laughs> um, but I do. I I, I want to be quick. Uh, you know, Notre Dame. Yes, I knew we were going to spend a little bit of time talking about them. But I, I want to be quick, real quick. Ohio State, because I know we have listeners that I know message Justin and and comment that we don't talk about Ohio State. Listen, I will say this, and I will say this one time. Ohio State looked very impressive on Saturday against Maryland. Started a little bit slow, but I mean, they pulled it away. I mean, you you have to give the devil its due. Ohio State uh, took care of a pretty good uh, Maryland team. Right. A very underrated, quiet win, like you said. Started slow. uh, 17 fourth quarter points. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's impressive. That'll do it. (laughs) Marvin Harrison Jr. is just a freak. That guy is so good. He is. He is. Um, and, and, and like you said, I do think that Ohio State undefeated or, or one loss to Michigan um, because they they look good. OK, they look good. They're Ohio State you're fans. Finally, you're finally it. giving them their kudos. And yep, yep. we'll appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, Alabama, like you said, Justin, takes care of Texas A&M. Yeah, 26-20. Uh, kind of already talked about that one, but and you don't you even know, need I to thought, talk about Georgia because who cares about Kentucky? Here's my suggestion: yeah. we need to do throw out your Heisman top five. Yep. Then, just in in the interest of time, let's do a quick like sort of preview of Tennessee and Texas A and M. Then we got to get to those pub dubs because you know that. Hold I on, hold on, hold on. Help myself from talking too long. What can 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 we talk about? The Kentucky-Georgia game and the LSU-Mizzou game, roll them into one because I think those two games were prove-yourself SEC Saturday games for Mizzou, for Kentucky, and they both kind of failed because they had these inflated records. I mean, I'll, I'll give the devil its due, again, going back to that cliche that I just threw out for uh, OSU. Uh, Mizzou had the win over Kansas State. That was, that was, that was, that was a good win. Took like a 75 75- mile field goal at the last second to uh to get that win but they they were undefeated but they hadn't played anybody and then they finally played teams with the pulse uh in the case of Kentucky they just got boat raced by a Georgia team that had yet to find its pulse maybe they finally found it going up against Kentucky this past week and I'll be honest I thought Mizzou kind of had LSU on the ropes and then Jaden Daniels and the Bayou Bengals come storming back and kind of steal the game in the fourth quarter. And if you are these teams that Eli Drinkowitz is saying that he's building and Mark Stoops has been building over years, I mean, tip of the cap to Mark Stoops for what he's been building up in Lexington. Those aren't the performances you can put out there on Saturday because y'all had the chance to say, no, we are for real. And y'all went 0 for 2. Well, the reason I walked right over the Georgia-Kentucky one is because I never believed in Kentucky. I Kevin was was feeling a little nervous about them the way that they beat Florida. And I was like, they're Kentucky. They will Kentucky themselves. That's just going <laughs> to happen. kentucky all right. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, uh-huh. And they did, and that's what you expect from Kentucky. But at the same time, they can still have a good season, but you are not Georgia. You are not ever going to be Florida. You are not ever going to be Tennessee. You're Kentucky in football. Get used to it. So it doesn't matter. 
Now, the Missouri one, I actually was very interested in that one, too, because I wanted to see, like, are they for real? And and they, watching, I didn't watch the game, but I was tracking the score. And I thought, too, I thought, I was like, wow, they're, they may actually pull this one out. And, but in my mind, I'm going, I give more of the blame if that happens. I would put the blame on Brian Kelly yes. rather, rather than giving credit to Drinkwitz. Yes. Personally. Yes. Um, but Kelly pulled it out, so turnabout's fair play. You won the game on the road when you were down, came back and won the game, and, you know, fair enough. Uh, but what you proved is that Missouri's just not quite there yet. But but I think that between the two, as a Tennessee fan, I'm more concerned because we've had more trouble with Missouri um, since they've been in the East than we've had with Kentucky, and I'm I'm more concerned about them this year than I am Kentucky. Well, it's interesting. Uh, those those two teams that I said was in a uh, prove yourself Saturday um, are going to be squaring off this Saturday. Uh, Kentucky travels uh, to the SEC quote unquote East rival Missouri, uh, seven thirty on the SEC Network. Yeah. Also, how was how was Missouri in the East? Like like I I I, I know it's been like like a decade plus, but that doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah, Missouri's not the Southeast. Sorry. No, <laughs> Missouri's the Midwest. Yeah. Um, let me give my Heisman top fives and we'll hop into that Tennessee and Texas A&M game. Uh, I'm just going to rattle it off real quick. Uh, Michael Penix benefits from having the bye week. Still at number one for me. Undefeated. Uh, undefeated. Biggest win. I went into my biggest win in my stats. Biggest win is a 41-7 to win at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see. Jordan Travis, I have as number two. Uh, Florida State. Uh, Florida State rolled on Saturday. I don't even think that Travis played the fourth quarter. Um, but I will say, when I was doing my my research and the and you know the stats and looking at the stats, Jordan Travis is like middle of the pack in almost all of the stats. That's true. And he's pass, not really. And, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's not pulling away anywhere. Pass yards, he's 68th in the nation. Completion percentage, he's 59th. Pass touchdowns, he's 17th. Passer rating, he's 32nd. I mean, you look at the rest of the people that I have on my list, at least, and they're all top 20 in almost, like, every statistic. Well, and what you said, him being pulled in the fourth quarter, that's not going to do his Heisman uh, campaign any favors either. Right. No, it's not. But. Though I do like his odds on FanDuel, so. Yep. (laughs) He plays for Florida State. Florida State's a a big name school, and he has a big win. That forty-five to twenty-four win against LSU um, early in the season. Caleb Williams, the defending champ, is is my number three uh, con- contender right now. Um, then I have Dylan Gabriel throwing his name into the hat. Like I had said earlier, he he's put up a really good season, uh, and I guess Oklahoma just really hasn't had a chance to play on the national stage. And when they did, he kind of performed really well. Um, also undefeated. Biggest win against Texas. And then still number five for me, even though he came off a loss, Quinn, U- Quinn Ewers, he he had a good game uh, against Oklahoma. To me, he has the most impressive win out of all of these Heisman uh, hopefuls. And, and, you know, I yes, he has a loss, but Lamar Jackson won the Heisman with four losses. So, I mean, just because you lose doesn't mean your Heisman race is over. Um but that's my Heisman top five. Let's dive into a little bit of Tennessee talk, which Tennessee used to have a Heisman hopeful, um, and then they played Florida. Your, in, your, Kevin, <laughs> in your mind, 
<laughs> you're right. You're right. My Heisman, my, my Heisman winner plays for Tennessee. Um, <laughs> um, those were the days, right? Yeah. Uh, what, are we not getting new Heismans? Well, I usually let Kevin handle that. You can. You can you can throw yours out. I just don't usually have a, a top five. Oh, okay. Well, that's, well, that's I didn't I didn't realize the format. I, I I did like some research with FanDuel stats. Oh, well, go ahead. Hit me with uh, it. Give me your stats, uh, Landon. Okay, number one is going to be the same as you, uh, Michael uh, Phoenix. Uh, plus two twenty on FanDuel. Um, he is your uh, betting. Uh, number one for them as well. Uh, number two is going to be Bo Nix for me, but uh, FanDuel is giving you plus 600 on him. Uh, for me, it's going to be Caleb Williams plus 250. Number four, Jordan Travis. FanDuel doesn't like that bet as much at plus 1700. So if you want to maybe yes. throw uh, throw a couple dollary dues on there, uh, maybe take a long shot, especially since Kevin was talking about some stats because uh, uh, Heisman voters generally don't watch football, unfortunately, and boy, do they love stats. Uh, that might hurt Jordan Travis's chance, but plus 1,700, you got to like that. And for number five, I'm going to throw a couple dark horses at you. This is going to be a slash option. I'm going to pick the best player for the number one team in America. I'm going Brock Bowers at plus 2,500. All right. All right. Yeah, how yeah. about that? A tight end. And then I'm also going to go um, give some love to Marvin Harrison Jr. at plus 8,000. Yeah. yeah, I like uh, Brock Bowers is a name that if the Heisman was the best player in America, truly, it would probably be Brock Bowers. But it's, it's but, not uh, going to be him because it's always going yeah. back. Yeah, it's, it's not, unfortunately. Except that one year, uh, what's his name? The wide receiver in from Alabama Monty won Smith. it. Yeah, him. Uh-huh. COVID year. <laughs> um, yeah, 2020 was a weird year, y'all. <laughs> Doesn't count. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so um Texas AM, they come up to Knoxville on Saturday. Uh Texas AM coming off a loss to Alabama. Um the the some of the some of the boosters down there, some of the fan a lot of the fans uh want Jimbo Fisher's head on a stake, uh Game of Thrones style. Um <laughs> they they are tired of the Jimbo days. Uh, and they're coming into a very raucous environment, the checker kneeling game, yeah. the, 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 the best atmosphere in college football, uh, Tennessee coming off a of bye week checker in the stadium going to be beautiful. Uh, Aggies coming off of a loss. Um, what, what do we, what are the early thoughts on this game? To, to me, I love Tennessee in the spot. <laughs> I love Tennessee in the spot. You forgot to mention 330 SEC on yeah, CBS. That's right. For now. <laughs> the prime spot. Um, Back-to-back SEC on CBS games, too, for uh, Tennessee. Yeah. Keep it rolling, yeah. baby. Keep it soaking rolling. it up in the last year. And I think the uh, SEC Nation is coming into town. Yep. And- mm-hmm. yeah. All eyes are going to be on Rocky Top this weekend. Yeah. Hopefully we put on a good show. Um, you know... I love Josh Heupel coming off of a bye week. So that's one thing that that I feel good about. I think that it's been a long time uh, over the course of the last, you know, several coaches that Tennessee has had where I feel like going in game, you know, on any given Saturday, we're not going to be necessarily out coached. Sure, it does happen, but I just don't think we're at a coaching disadvantage the way that we were with. Uh, Lyle or Pruitt, uh, you know, or Dooley or whoever. 
Excuse me, Pruitt's name is Coach Thumb or Coach Cornbread. Thank you very yeah, much. Cornbread. Uh, <laughs> so that's something that that makes me feel good about Tennessee. I, I think, you know, I, I don't know what the stats are, but this year I think that our opening drives, and I know typically just like most teams we script opening drives, um, and I think opening drives we've been pretty successful. I think we'll come out. I think we'll come out strong. I think this Texas A&M team is primed to fold. And I think if we come out strong and hit them in the mouth, I I think we're going to have to lean on a running game a little bit. Uh, You know, we've got that three-headed monster uh, at running back Jalen Wright, my my, uh, preseason Tennessee MVP. Um, Lean on him and then, you know, make sure you get Sampson involved and, and small. Don't don't lean on you don't need to lean on Joe Milton, although Milrow found success against Texas A&M throwing the ball deep. So and you know what? If there's one thing Joe can do, it's throw the ball a country mile. So, you know, set it up, (laughs) set it up, set it up with some, you know, set it up with some runs, set up some play action. You know, and I don't mind if we lean on the screens a little bit, if we if we, you know, do some of the dink and dunk kind of stuff just to get Texas A&M sleeping. I think I do feel like our our defense is going to be able to get in the backfield right now. Aren't we leading the league in sacks and tackles? We are. Loss? Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I think Alabama had six sacks against Texas A&M. I think we'll be able to get in the backfield. So I, I the Tennessee faithful is going to be loud and proud. And I think Tennessee minus three is super low. Super low because I think if we get out there and get rolling like I think we're going to, that this could be a game where we just boat race them. I really do, and I want to. I think you're right. I I think you made a couple of really good points there, Justin. Number one, this Texas A&M team is prime to just fold. I mean, let's not forget this is the same team that went six and six last year. Yep, when they had the number one recruiting class in the nation. And they were hyped up to the heavens, mm-hmm. and they went six and six. Some were saying you it know, was Texas the State. best recruiting class of all time, if you remember this yeah. time last year. Or I and guess a little bit earlier this time last lot. year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they just got embarrassed. The only thing that I'm worried about is Anaya Smith. Anaya Smith is is their only playmaker, to in my opinion, uh, Texas A&M's only big weapon. Um, if Tennessee can limit the damage that he does, both in the special teams game and in the receiving game, I think that Tennessee is gonna gonna be sitting pretty pretty well because he did have a big return against Alabama a week after having a big return. Um, I believe it was oh man, I can't remember, uh, can't remember who they played the week before, but he had a big return. Uh, uh, they hosted the Arkansas before. the week before Bama. Yeah, so yeah, so that's what it was. He had a big return the week against Arkansas. And against Alabama, um, I mean, the dude muffs a punt, and it's like he does it on purpose, and just like who bobs and weaves everywhere, and it just gives me PTSD vibes of the Arkansas muffed punt against Tennessee a few years oh. back, where that he had that crazy return. What Dexter McCluster? <laughs> no, McCluster was yeah. uh, uh, Ole Miss. My bad. Never mind. I forget who it was, but it was it was the same scenario. Muffed punt, and he just took it to the house and just made us all look silly on defense. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. So if we can eliminate Anaya Smith, I think Tennessee will do good. Um, like you said, Justin, the atmosphere is going to be electric. It's going to be rowdy. Max Johnson has not played in an environment like this before. I think that's going to rattle him a little bit. 
Um, and, and I, I love, like I said, I love Tennessee minus three. I think, like you said, I think that's incredibly low, uh, given the A&M team that we've seen. I think Tennessee covers, and I love y'all's optimism. I think this is going to end up being a closer game than that because I see a lot of similarities in the Texas A&M defense that I do in the Tennessee defense. Tennessee's defense is very good at stopping the run. They're very good at getting after the quarterback, and Tennessee is good at the run. And that what that's one of the things that worries me. Tennessee has this three-headed monster in the backfield with Jalen Wright, Jabari Small, and the man they call Samson. And I am afraid that that front seven of A&M are going to stifle the run game of Tennessee to the point where then Joe Milton maybe starts trying to force some passes Um, And then we start to see that Tennessee offense get out of sync as we've seen them do in the first five games of this season. I do still think Tennessee covers. I do still think Tennessee wins. I do think Tennessee figures it out by the end, but I do think A&M is going to bring a little bit more fight than some people are thinking. Um, I do say, or I did say that the A&M front seven is better than people might be thinking I do think there is the opportunity, like y'all were talking about, that maybe you can throw on this A&M secondary like we saw last week in that A&M game. But this might be the situation where the loss of Brew McCoy rears its ugly head, and you hope in the week that they had during the bye, obviously you're not going to replace a player the caliber of Brew McCoy in one week, but they can figure some stuff out in that week off and that some of those players can step up uh, to fill those shoes. Because I, like I said, I think Tennessee covers, I think they win, but I think, I think the Aggies are going to be bringing a fight to, to Neyland guys. Yeah. I, I know Hypo said that they got a little bit more healthy this week. Um, and I know that he, I know he specifically said Dante Thornton. Um, that is that is the name him. that has to show up. The the, the yeah, honeymoon is over for for Thornton in Rocky Top. It's like like this is put up or shut up time, buddy. Yeah, I want to see Thornton play well. Um, of course, you know I I I adore Squirrel White as every mm-hmm. citizen in Tennessee and every fan of the Vols does. Um, so I want to see him have a big game and. And of course, you know, Ramel Keaton as well. But like you said, Landon, I do think that Dante Thornton is kind of the X factor if Texas A&M is going to stifle the Tennessee run game. If not, Tennessee might run for 400 yards against A&M. And Absolutely. If, if, uh, because, you know, there is that scenario where the offensive line with Tennessee and, and Cooper May specifically. Cooper May was week. Such a different maker in that South Carolina game. 1,000%. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing. It's like if that Texas A&M front seven wants to bring the house, okay, send Dylan Sampson out, in, like, like out into where nobody is. Just do a little dump off to him and give the man named Sampson the ball and see what he can do. That so will let quickly him be Alvin Kamara. Let exactly. him be exactly. Alvin Kamara. 
Yeah, and here Alvin Kamara had a huge game against A and M. Yes, Let he did. Samson have a big game against A and M. There you go. So, Make it a tradition. So here's my here's my <laughs> counter here's my counter to that Texas A and M front seven. The, if you're scouting Tennessee, the game plan would have to be take away the long ball because that's what Joe Milton does. He he he. The middle of the field. He he's not efficient in the middle of the field. You take away the long ball. Okay, great. So you're gonna back your defense up. Well, guess what? We've got three guys that can run it down your throat. That's why we've been having success run the ball because that's the scout on Tennessee. So if they decide, if Texas A&M decides, we're not going to do that. We're not going to. We're not going to let Tennessee beat us on the ground. I guarantee you, this is going to be the game where Joe Milton shows up and puts up 400 yards. It's just going to happen. Running yeah, the ball it's all is that we heard all season. That's 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 why everybody. That's that's why that's the. The recipe to stop Tennessee. That's why everybody's game plan is to stop Tennessee. Is because all we heard in the offseason, all everybody heard in the offseason about Tennessee was Joe Milton throwing an orange two hundred yards and oh, a football yeah. and, mm-hmm. a, and a baseball two hundred yards and and a cheerleader fifty yards and <laughs> and a golf cart thirty yards. You know, that's all all we saw was Joe Milton throwing shit and they and, and they never found that cheerleader. God rest her soul. But but like I know. the run game is the straw that stirs the Tennessee offense. Like I know everybody wants to talk about the long ball and, you know, even going back to uh major league baseball chicks dig the long ball. And it's super awesome to see, you know, Joe Milton drop it back and throw it outside kneeling into the Tennessee river, even though it's a really long ass incompletion, but it all comes down to the run game. And, and when you have those three backs in Wright, small and Samson, it's like, they got to get theirs before the passing game can get going. Like, like you got to chunk them for eight. You got to chunk them for six. You got to chunk them for 14. All right. You got to run for two. All right. They're going to bring, they're going to bring the lineup. They're going to bring the linebackers to stop the run. That is the point when you start to attack them with the pass. And, 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 and I'm hoping that the Tennessee offense can do that. And a name that I really hope we hear a lot of on Saturday is McCallan Castles because I really, really think that he can step up in the absence of Brew McCoy because the tight end is a position that at least before he got to Tennessee, really, really feasted in that Josh Heupel offense, offense rather. And McCallan Castles is a freak of nature. Yeah, I know, and we haven't we haven't seen it yet. It's we we need these big name blue chip transfers that we brought in this year. To start mm-hmm. contributing in this game, we need them. They yep. got to be there. We need yeah. we need to see them uh, contribute in this game and going forward. Because uh, oh, I don't want to scare anybody, but after the Aggies of Texas A and M come to Knoxville, the Volunteers have to go on the road to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, for the third Saturday in October, and then Bring after it that, it's uh, it Kentucky, and then we, uh, and then uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh, I'm ready. It, it, Season oh, ain't over, buddy. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Please do not take what I just said as saying the season is over. I work in talk radio, and I've had to deal with a lot of Tennessee fans who declared the season over after they went down to the swamp and lost. And I said, nuh-uh, sir, to borrow a line from Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. The season is not over. 
There is still a lot. I did not call in, Winston. No, I did not call in and say that. I knew what you were thinking. I did not call in and say that. And and I I did not say you did, but I'm saying there is a lot of, as Jay put it on last week's episode, battered vol syndrome still built into the DNA of this fan base. Guys, Josh Heupel is a good coach. We are in good hands. It's going to be okay. Yeah, are 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 they are they going to hit the heights that they did last year? Maybe, maybe not. But it's going to be okay. Yeah. Wouldn't it be That's sad bad. though? I, I, this is not going to happen. I just want to throw this out there as something that like we all can ponder for a minute. Imagine we go eleven and one, and our one loss is to Florida this year. That Florida team, yeah. This Florida team. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be pretty upset about that, actually. I mean, yeah, it, it would be a kick in the stones, but I do want to point out, yeah, we lost to that Florida team, but if we went 11-1, and one, that would mean we beat the two-time defending yeah. national championships. We went on the road to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama, and we would represent the East in the last year of the divisional split. Yeah. So it would suck losing to Bayou Billy, but I would get over it. Yeah, me too. It's not going to happen. I just wanted to share that. Oh, there it is. The neg of all. Jay. Yeah, just over there, downplaying the success. No. (laughs) Hey, you know what? While we're sitting here prognosticating about the rest of the season, it feels like a good time to transition to pub dubs. What do you say? I mean, Uh, that that transition wasn't as good as Kevin's, but, you know, it's it's okay. All right. We got time to work on it, Justin. (laughs) All right. Yeah, you can coach me up. Coach me up. Um, It's very cool. Here we are. Entering Pub Dubs Week 7, and now we've got a third chair in the picker seat. So we're going to make this a little quicker because we've already hit an hour. So I'm not going to keep us here all day. But uh, I did pick up five college football games for us to pick and five NFL games, as has been the way. And I just wanted to reiterate, uh, in, the, in the previous iteration of this podcast, where it was just Kevin versus Justin, we ended that series 30 and 30. Now... Should we just reset oh. the score? Now I know why why we added Landon this week. Now it's all coming together. You finished on a tie, and now you're like, oh, let's reset the score. You know, I <laughs> finally caught him. Though. Let's reset the score. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> let's reset and, uh, the score. No, I think we should. I think we okay. should. <laughs> all right. We're going to hit the reset button. We're all, the odometer is back to zero, and, and just quickly, without saying too much about it, our celebrity guest picker went two and eight last week. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> we love you, Tom. We love Yeah, you, listen Tom. to the Hyperion Adventure podcast. <laughs> All right. Saturday. Now, this time, I instead of just focusing on like the lowest odds uh between the game, like the 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 teams that, that were favored by the least, I I was able to actually go out and pick games that were like ranked on ranked, aside from one that we have an SEC interest in that does have a ranked team. But every other every other game is ranked on ranked. So yeah, because there's good football. games this week. <laughs> yeah, college football Saturday, and it starts early. By the way, we were talking about Pac-12 after dark. This game is a I think it's a three thirty game. Oregon it is at, on ABC. Yeah, three thirty on ABC. Oregon at Washington, number eight. Oregon at at Washington. Washington, the home team, is getting that home team minus three, and we know that basically that just means this is a pick 'em. So. Landon, as our new picker, why don't you kick it off and tell us what you think is going to happen up there in Washington? Uh, Washington was able to pick up the victory last year on the road in uh, Eugene. 
I think the Ducks return the favor. I think that uh, Bo Nix goes on the road and takes down Michael Penix and the Washington Huskies. Uh, give me Oregon to win outright. Oh, yeah. All right. One for the Ducks. Kevin, what do you think? Yeah, I think these are two very high-scoring offenses um, that are going to put a track, track meet-style game together mm-hmm. on Saturday. Um, I think it's going to be you know, one of those games that whoever has the ball last uh, ends up winning the game. And I kind of like the home foot advantage for Washington. So give me the Huskies Ooh. to win. Not by to the cover, way, but just to win. By the okay. way, there are two college football stadiums in the country that are accessible by water. One of them is the Washington Stadium, and the other is Neyland Stadium. Just FYI. The General's House. That's right. Um, Aren't we doing you know, a home I, and home with Washington in a few years? We are. Yeah, a few years down And there. I say we like I'm part of the Tennessee Athletic Program. Oh, no, you are. Okay, yes. all right, sweet. Of course we, are we, are. All, we are all balls. Yeah, and, we just and, did a whole dang program or a whole dang segment where, where we all said we, so yeah, I guess I, guess I am at this point. Yeah, we've been, this is a Homer podcast. It's fine. Um and Dr. Jacqueline is a fan of the Washington Huskies. And I've been telling her, I'm like, hey, with oh, that no, game. Oh, no, Dr. Jacqueline hates me now. I'm like, we got to go. We're going to, we, we have to go to Washington and go watch that Washington, Tennessee game. We have to. Um, Are we going to get look, a boat? I'll, I'll get a boat. Sure, I'll get a boat. Sweet. Um, Washington, Washington was one of my preseason playoff picks. So, and Michael Penix. I keep claiming, like, if he wins the Heisman, it's sort of like a proxy Heisman for Tennessee since at one it time is. he yep. was committed to Tennessee. <laughs> um, but all that being said, the Oregon Ducks defense has been way better than I expected it to be this year, and I don't think that it's going to be close. I think Oregon's going to win by two touchdowns. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Really? I do. I think that defense is pretty darn good. They, they've only given up six points twice the last two weeks, so... Wow. I, okay. I, I, yeah. Hey, Kevin, uh, you say uh, you think this is going to be a track meet. Caesars Sportsbook has the over-under at 67. I'm going to put you on the spot. Over-under 67. Over. Over. <laughs> okay. The over. Smash it. This is the Kevin's bet your mortgage lack of the week. No, 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 not this one. Don't do it. Bet right. your neighbor's mortgage lack of the week. There we go. <laughs> Bet the dog. <laughs> now we've got, we're moving on, ACC. Miami coming off that thrilling win. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's the Mario Cristobal Bowl going to North Carolina. Oh. Number 25, Miami visiting North Carolina. Number 12, UNC favored minus three and a half. Uh, Kevin... Do you think Miami can bounce back from one of the most embarrassing losses in the history of college football? Yeah, so I do think that was probably the worst loss in like college football history. Holy shit. Um, if you were under a rock, all all Miami had to do was take a couple of knees to run the clock out. They they ran the ball, the running back fumbled, um and, and then they allowed Georgia Tech to win the game uh on a on a last second. Uh, touchdown pass. Georgia Tech beat Miami. Just throwing that out there. The Ramblin' Wreck, y'all. <laughs> While Miami was wearing their Miami Vice yeah. all-black jerseys. Yeah, <laughs> so I think those are getting burnt. Um, but here's what I will say. Mario Cristobal is a good coach. He had a bonehead decision, but he is a good coach. Um, he's he's done a very good job at Miami, aside from last week. Um 
North Carolina, to me, they haven't really played anybody besides Syracuse or the first game of the season against South Carolina. Um, North Carolina doesn't. Yes, they're undefeated. Yes, they have Drake May. Yes, the game's in Chapel Hill. No, I'm not picking the Tar Heels. Give me the Miami Hurricanes and a big bounce back. Tyler Van Dyke has a big game. They're tired of hearing their coach get slammed, and they win it for Mario Cristobal. Okay, the Hurricanes coming to to Chapel Hill. Landon, do you agree with the Miami Hurricanes pick? I, in fact, do not agree with that. I'm going the opposite way for pretty much uh, the exact opposite reason. (laughs) Anytime you have players coming out and having to give press conferences saying that they love their coach uh, to the end of the earth and back or whatever that comment was, um, I think Mario Cristobal, while I do think he is a good coach, really lost a lot of goodwill with this team and might be on the verge of losing this locker room going on the road to what's been a pretty underwhelming Tar Heel football team so far this year. They do have Drake Mays, but going to Chapel Hill, I think UNC takes care of business. Give me the Tar Heels minus three and a half at home, taking care of business and the woes of the Hurricanes continue. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta agree with you. I, I think Miami's gonna be sulking after that embarrassing loss. It's been, you want to talk about a locker room distraction? That loss has been a locker room distraction. And also, I think when you've got a close game, you look at who's got the better quarterback. I think Drake May's the better quarterback. North Carolina's at home. They've got a good. I mean, come on, can we talk about Mac Brown for a minute? Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer. I He's think a geriatric. He's not coaching that team. Hey, he's just still a Hall of uh, Famer. He's just a figurehead. <laughs> so North Carolina for me too. All right, Kevin, it is time. USC number 10 USC will be traveling to number 21 Notre Dame visiting South Bend. The home team Notre Dame is getting minus three in this one. You don't get to start. It's Landon's turn to start us off. Landon. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> we've got a battle of two Heisman hopeful quarterbacks. Can well. Sam Hartman bounce back and have a Heisman moment? Kevin, Kevin thought they did against. Don't Duke, give but... me that shit. I know what you. I know what you did just then. <laughs> I feel the crit singer curse trying to come on. Um, I tried to. I tried to come up with a scenario where a uh, where Notre Dame runs the table, maybe sneaks into the uh, playoffs with a two loss. Then I looked at my pick, so you might know where I'm going with this. As much as I want uh, my Sam Hartman uh, Heisman future uh, to pay off, I don't see Notre Dame taking on, or rather taking down USC at home. Uh, Give me USC to uh, take care of business in South Bend. All right. 7.30 on NBC. Evan, you're going to be there to witness this in person. I I don't know if you would be, your heart would be able to handle it. Are you game time kickoff 56 degrees, Kevin, maybe uh, pack a light, uh, light jacket. (laughs) Listen, okay, Notre Dame's playoff chances are done. They're shot. Mm -hmm. My national champion's dead, dead in the water. The Irish, they have nothing to play for. They're not in a conference, so they can't win a conference championship. Mm -hmm. They're saying that Sam Hartman should just sit out the rest of the season to prep for the NFL. But I say No. no. I say no. I say the Irish can still play spoiler just like they did against Clemson when I was there. I ran on the field at Notre Dame, and I'm going to do it again on Saturday after they win. 
I will not be doing going on the field during the game. We'll do it after they win. I think I think that this is a bad mashup for USC. I think this is probably the the tough not probably. This is the toughest defense that they've played up against. Like you said, Landon, it's going to be chilly. It's it's gonna be chilly. There's a ninety percent chance of rain on Saturday night. Kind of hard to throw the ball in the rain. Notre Dame likes to run the football. USC doesn't. USC doesn't have a very good run defense either. I like Notre Dame to win. And I like Notre Dame to cover. Give me the Irish. Because mm. I because I just can't kick a bad drug. <laughs> no. Nor should you, sir, as a good fan. That's right. And, and here's the thing. Jay, the ultimate pusher, man. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> While I've been, you know, kind of teasing you and playing this, my own version of the spoiler against Notre Dame this year, um, I don't think that they're, you know, a, a bad, I think they're a very good team. And I don't think USC has played a team as good as Notre Dame yet this year. I think you're right. I think this probably will be the best defense that USC's played this year. Going on the road, it's going to be a chilly game. These These are like some soft guys from LA. Can they handle it? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to take Notre Dame to get some South Bend magic and get a big win at home this week. So I'm with you, Kevin. I'm I'm going Let's Notre go, Dame. buddy. Let's ride. Come on. Wake Let's... up the four horsemen. We're going. <laughs> Woo. All right. Interestingly <laughs> enough, ESPN uh, agrees with y'all. Uh, gives uh, Notre Dame a, a 62% chance to win this game. Hey. Yeah, hey. well, they gave them a 70% chance to beat Louisville. We saw how that so happened. not only do you have the Kritzinger curse, you have the ESPN hex working against you. So uh, <laughs> Godspeed, Kevin. <laughs> Let's just say I'll enjoy the casinos in Chicago the day after. (laughs) There you go. There you go. All right, we're going to hop over the SEC, an interesting matchup. We talked about it a little bit already, but in my my opinion, this is the (laughs) – It's it's the it's the bowl game of the the teams that don't matter. It's Missouri at Kentucky. Missouri uh, coming in to play number 24, Kentucky. Kentucky minus two and a half, which means, as we all know, the home team, you get three points. Missouri is actually sort of getting some heat here. So, uh, Kevin, you get to kick this one off. Do you think that Missouri bounces back, or does Kentucky? It's a bounce-back game for both teams. Who Who's going to get the better of this one in Lexington? Yeah, I think that uh, the difference between Missouri and Kentucky is that Missouri lost in a somewhat close game, and Kentucky just got their doors blown off. Yep. Um, Kentucky's allowing 257 passing yards a game. They allowed Carson Beck to throw for his career high in passing yards last year or last week, sorry. Um, and and Brady Cook over at Missouri is is throwing for damn near 400 yards a game every game. Um, and and Luther Burden the third is is a really good wide receiver over at Missouri. Uh, I think that Missouri is going to bounce back. Um, because I don't think Missouri is a bad team. I just think that they kind of ran into an LSU team that was pissed off after losing. And, and I, I think Missouri is a lot better than, than people are giving them the credit for after that showing last week. So give me Missouri to go over to, to Lexington and, and I'm going to say they, they take care of business and I'm going to say a double digit win Woo. for the Tigers. Of wow. Missouri, Missouri yeah. bring the misery. To Lexington, right along. That's with right, them. Landon. What do you think? Ooh, so originally I had Kentucky minus the two and a half, but Kevin makes a lot of good points. Um, uh, transfer into Lexington, Devin Leary has kind of not lived up to the hype. 
since he uh, donned the blue and white of the Wildcats of Kentucky. I was banking on the running skills of all-day Ray, Ray Davis in the backfield for the Wildcats. But Kevin makes a really good point. Freaking Brady Cook is just bombing it all over the yard. And mm, this Kentucky secondary is giving up, like he said, 257 yards a game. You know what? I'm doing a switcheroo skidoo. Give Uh me the wild drinkers of Mizzou. Give me the Tigers. Well, welcome to the dark side, buddy. Well, I don't feel good about this. I do not feel good about it. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, you were talking about the ESPN um, percentages in the previous game. They actually have uh, Kentucky winning at fifty five point eight percent for this. Oh, one. he's going to the to the point percentiles. Look at this nerd. um and just by the way before you switched your pick to missouri i was gonna pick missouri but i learned my lesson last week that both games that we all agreed on we were all wrong so i'm gonna go kentucky at home (laughs) so you're zigging because we zagged okay and that's the advantage of being the third picker and that being said i'll go first on this one so i don't get that advantage um number 18 ucla is visiting number 15 oregon state in corvallis oregon state Minus four uh, in this matchup. Now, I picked against Oregon State uh, whenever they played Washington State, and I was correct. Uh, Washington State won that game. But here's here's something that's kind of interesting. Let me let me share this with you. Um, so UCLA, UCLA lost to Utah at Utah and beat Washington State at home. Oregon State lost at Washington State and beat Utah at home. Both of them beat San Diego State, um, UCLA on the road, and Washington State at home. So I feel like these are teams that have been on parallel paths, um, and I think that makes it even more of a toss-up. You know what? I've picked against UCLA several times, I think, in the picks panel this year. So I'm going to pick UCLA to get the win on the road in Corvallis in the rain because it's supposed to be raining in that game as well. That'll neutralize that quarterback that I can't pronounce his name. Just call him DJ QB. There you go. Kevin, how about you? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with everything that you said. Um, however, I kind of like Oregon State in this game. I, 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 I don't know. Something about Oregon State being at home against UCLA. I know UCLA got that big win against Washington State last week, and, and that's kind of the basis of them being ranked, but I, I don't know. I guess I, I also picked against Oregon state uh, or also picked Oregon state to beat Washington state when they played. And that kind of backfired on me, uh, but I'll, I'll go back again. I'll go okay. back again to Oregon state. So get, give me the beavers. You can't uh, quit them at home. I can't, I can't. Sometimes you just find a drug that you just can't quit. That's right. <laughs> A lot of Later, drug talk on this episode. All right. Uh, I, too, am going to go with the Beavers. Give me them minus four. You talked about uh, DJ Ukulele. Nope, I'm just going to call him Ukulele. DJ QB. Ukulele? <laughs> yeah, Ukulele. 
DJ ukulele. No, I'm I'm almost positive that's not how you DJ QB. <laughs> ever since he left Clemson, has kind of had a career renaissance out there in the Pac-12. I think he is going to uh, ball out against UCLA, despite the rainy conditions that Jay mentioned out there in Corvallis. Give me uh, Oklahoma, or not Oklahoma, Oregon State Beavers minus four at home, taking care of the Bruins of uh, UCLA. If you called for Oklahoma to win that game and somehow they did, you would get to just win the picks panel forever, I think. Oh, can I do that? Then Oklahoma wins it. Boomer Sooner, y'all. Oklahoma on the bye week wins. (laughs) Wait, hey, they won't lose. That's true. Exactly, Um, yeah. (laughs) All right, we're moving over to the NFL. Let's go talk about the pros for just a minute. On Sunday, the Commanders will travel to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. I enjoy putting these games into our pub dubs uh, selection lineup because as you keep pointing out to me kevin what what do you tell me every time about the falcons at home desmond ritter has never lost a home game and it's true he just keeps on winning them at home true yeah so so kevin i'll let you kick it off then do you think he continues that streak I'll say it again. Desmond Ritter has never lost a home game. The Falcons are in Atlanta. Therefore, I am picking the Falcons. There you go. I'll I'll jump in, and then, Landon, you can kick us off on the next one. Um, I, I don't think I can pick against Desmond Ritter. It's a crazy juju magic, bro. I don't so, know what it is. So I'm going to do it as well. Landon, what do you think? Uh, Kevin might uh, say Desmond Ritter doesn't lose home games, but I'll come in with my own saying Desmond Ritter is not an NFL quarterback. Uh, Despite the fact that the Washington defense has been kind of turnstile-ish here recently, I like the weapons that they have on the offensive side of the ball for Washington, so give me the commanders taking care of business on the road. All right. Also, I, mean, I hate uh, I hate the 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 coach for uh, Atlanta with his weird looking mustache. Listen, well, Landon, I will tell you, a young Padawan once had the same mindset that you did. <laughs> that you know, hey, I'm just going to bet against Desmond Ritter, and and he's on the train. So ye of little faith, you will soon learn. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Creeks are definitely made to be broken. This could be the week, and Landon, I, I think you may be right, but I just feel like I've bet against him enough. It's time for me. It's time for me to jump on the Ritter train for now. All right, Landon, Vikings at Bears. Last week, the Bears found a little something with Justin Fields and DJ Moore, and boy, did I benefit in fantasy football. And uh, but in this game, Minnesota is coming in on the road as a minus two and a half favorite. And Kevin has told me you should always bet on home dogs. Landon, do you agree with that strategy? Uh, I, too, benefited from Chicago finding a little bit of something because I had Justin Fields finally paying off as my starting quarterback in fantasy. But it's ironic uh, because they found a little something against uh, Washington, who I just picked in the uh, last pick. Um, I. I'm going to continue to ride the Justin Fields hot hand because I don't, I'm not necessarily picking the Bears. I'm picking against the Vikings. They lost all pro wide receiver Justin Jefferson for at least four games as he hit the IR this week. They've already restarted these uh, trade rumors. If I'm, uh, Kirk Cousins is going to get traded. They've been working out other quarterbacks. So it kind of feels like Minnesota's season 
is on the brink. And I really feel like we might be seeing the Minnesota Vikings imploding in real time in front of our eyes because you have to look back. Last season, this was a team that found a way to win one-score games. This season, every game that they've lost has been a one-score game. So it's almost like night and day for this organization. It feels like the chickens have come home to roost for the Vikings. Give me the bears to take care of business. And it's hilarious that I'm picking the bears because up until here recently, this is a franchise that hadn't won a game in almost a calendar freaking year. And I'm now picking them to win two in a row. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe they're getting rolling. Um, Justin Fields for MVP. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. No, but, you know, I, I always support a successful Justin. Hey, Kevin, <laughs> oh, what do right. you what, what do you think? You picked the Bears to be like a, a sleeper team this year, and they sort of let you down. But are they ready? Well, to get no, more? no, no. The season's early. The season. No, no. They've early. definitely let you down, bud. I'm sorry. I'm. Uh, I'm give sorry. Me to let you bears. Bears. Give me the Bears. The Bears. Give me the Bears. The Bears. Home doggies. Because I'm not switching my pick this week. I am also going to Bears. Oh, and so you know so. What that means. <laughs> Yep. Hammer the Vikings, everybody. It's Justin Krutzinger's Bet Kevin's Mortgage Lack of the Week. <laughs> That's right. You don't want to bet my mortgage. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Jumping over. Very gladly. Seahawks at the Bengals. Cincinnati getting minus two and a half. Last week, speaking of offenses finally getting on track, Joe Burrow finally had a decent game. Sadly, at the expense of the Cardinals and, and Josh Dobbs. But we love you, Josh now, Dobbs. Yeah, we love you, Josh Dobbs. But Geno Smith not having the quite the year he was having last year. And I always say it's hard to travel coast to coast. I'm not the only person who says that. Um, lots of people say it. I believe it's true. And personally, I think Joe Burrow is back. I think he's feeling healthier again. I don't know if he's totally back to 100%, but I'm going to go Bengals to defend their home turf. I got auto-corrected as I was typing it, and it said beans. So I'm going beans at home. Go beans. Beans win. Go beans. Landon, do you think the beans are going to make magic with that fruit? The Bengals are one of the hardest, well, other than the Tennessee Titans, are one of the hardest teams to get a read on because – As Joe Burrow goes, this team goes. He suffered that injury pretty much at the beginning of the preseason, never got a chance to get healthy. Do we think that he's now healthy and this is the Bengals we're going to see going forward? They're still dealing with other injuries, particularly T. Higgins, that wide receiver two to Jamar Chase's. uh, I'm always effing open wide receiver one spot and Boy, was he always effing open against Arizona this past week. Seahawks traveling. Mm. I originally picked the Seahawks. I Give me the beans. Go beans. Go beans. Go beans or go home. Kevin, are you, are you going to get a scoop of these beans? Listen, man. I don't like beans. (laughs) I'm going to say that Jamar Chase had a great game last week. He balled out. Joe Burrow had a great game last week. He balled out. But that was against the Cardinals defense. Seattle's defense is a wee bit better than that. And I think that the loss of T. Higgins, I don't don't believe that he's playing this week. I believe he's questionable, going to be a game-time decision. Uh, But I think they're pointing towards him not playing. 
I think that the loss of T. Higgins is going to rear its head. I think that Seattle is going to get after Joe Burrow, and I think the Seahawks are going to go to Cincinnati and get a big win for Seattle. Right. I already hate my pick. <laughs> you, they wrote you Gino off, but he ain't right back. I'll give you a chance to switch it. We haven't moved on to the next one. Mm. Can I just hope that both teams have fun? Is that an option? <laughs> I'll put that beside your name. I'm going to put in parentheses, both teams have Everybody fun. Everybody has fun. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> Precipitation. Nope. Participation trophies. <laughs> Say, okay. Uh, Saints are going to Houston this week. Now, I did not imagine that the Saints were going to go up to New England and shut out the Patriots like they did. Whopped them! That was wild. But the Patriots, I guess, are worse than I imagined they were. However, I think that the Texans are are decent. Um, I think they're a good team. I was a little surprised that they didn't perform better last week. Um, So, you know, who knows? New Orleans is getting minus one and a half. Um, Landon, why don't you start us off on this one? Um, I, I'm kind of surprised in the Texans. They are a young, scrappy and hungry. If you want a future bet, CJ shroud, is it shroud or Stroud? I always get that confused. Anyway, he is going to be your, uh, either. Yeah. He's going to be your offensive rookie of the year. So go ahead, hit that up on FanDuel. Um, that being said, give me uh Nolens on the road to take care of business. Uh, vol for life. Alvin Kamara has come back and is looking like Alvin Kamara from a couple of years ago. And even though, uh, car still, probably banged up for the saints. They've looked really good the last couple weeks since, uh, AK has been back. So I think the saints take care of business against a better than expected Texans team as a Titans fan. Eyebrows are definitely raised for the Texans, uh, prospects in the future. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Kevin, what do you think? I am also going to go with the Houston Texans. Uh, C.J. Stroud uh, going to oh, – I, I know, but I'm, that's who I'm picking is the Texans. Um, <laughs> I know that went directly against you, uh, but <laughs> that's Okay, I was just making with. sure that happened. Yeah, all right. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> um, I'm going with the Texans. I like C.J. Stroud. Uh, like you mentioned, is it? Yeah, Stroud. I am so Can we call him CJ QB like we call DJ Ukamalali Malaya? Yeah. Just yep. DJ QB? Ukulele. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I like the points that you made, Landon, about him. He's having a great season. Um, and and I feel like every time I turn on the TV and like watch NFL highlights, they're talking about CJ and the Texans uh, because they're very much so overperforming what people thought they were going to be. Uh, mm-hmm. So give me Houston. I know Kamara's back. I know the Saints were looking good, but but give me Houston to to take care of business at home. Okay. Yep. And and Kevin, I'm I'm gonna agree with you on that one. I think the Texans are gonna get back in the win column. I think yeah, C.J. Stroud's been outperforming. You know his his counterpart Bryce Young uh, over there in Carolina, and he's doing a great job. the The only issue is I know he. Um, isn't isn't uh, his main receiver potentially not going to be playing? What's his name? Tank. What's his name? Oh, Tank Dell. Dell. Tank Dell. Oh, Tank Dell. Yeah, Tank Dell. Yeah, Tank Bigsby is in Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Yeah, right. Who is the backup running back to uh, Travis Etienne? Etienne. Yeah. 
Well, well, well and Tank Tank Dell's more of the wide receiver too. Uh, uh, Nico Collins oh, is yeah, the one right. in um, in uh, Houston. I uh, man, Houston has so much young talent there, and they they got D'Amico Ryan as the is the coach down there. As a Titans fan, I am. Everybody in the division except the Titans got younger and better in the offseason, and I am terrified. Yeah. Well, I, I think the Texans are already cashing in, but I think they're going to go ahead and, and, and defend their home turf and win this one. That takes us to Monday night. We've got an interesting matchup. Cowboys at Chargers after the Cowboys just got walloped by San Francisco. Dallas is still – they're minus two, not minus two and a half uh, in this one, so they're favored at – Los Angeles slash San Diego Chargers. Um, I I'm going to tell you that I think that the Cowboys got exposed by San Francisco. I think that the Cowboys have benefited from an early week schedule this this season. It's been weak so far, and they ran into an actual team and they couldn't handle it. By the way, they also lost to the Cardinals, which should have told us a little something about the Cowboys. Um, so I'm going to go with the Chargers uh, to defend their home turf. Uh, it, they're a home dog, and I was told you should hit, take home dogs. So I'm going to do that um, this week. Landon, how about those Cowboys and Chargers? Um, I think the Cowboys weren't exposed. I think they were embarrassed on the national stage. I do think they benefited from an er, from an early easy schedule because I mean two of their three wins were against both of the New York teams and as we've seen um those New York teams are not great especially after Aaron Rodgers got injured what three four plays into his season and his body broke on him. That said, I think the Cowboys are going to bounce back because a lot of the national media has been kind of dancing on their grave, particularly ESPN has been running. It seems like every other segment are the Cowboys done. Does Dak Prescott need to be shot directly into the sun and, and, and stuff like that. So I think the Cowboys take care of business because uh, Brandon Staley, uh, cho- uh, coach of the chargers is uh, notoriously terrible and he'll do something boneheaded and or stupid in the stretch to cost his team uh, the game. And uh, I, I do think the chargers are a good team. Um, they got a hell of a young quarterback in uh, Herbert, who is, I think, the number one quarterback before the bye weeks hit, according to uh, fantasy stats. But uh, give how about them Cowboys? All right, America's team. Mm. Kevin, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, I think Landon hit the nail on the head that they were embarrassed. Dallas was, and I think Micah Parsons takes things very personally. Um, at least according to his Twitch streams, he does. So I'm going to go with Micah Parsons. Um, okay. Not so much the Cowboys. I think Micah Parsons wins the game by himself. Micah Parsons. Uh, so and, so, and so Kevin, Parsons Kevin can't get a point here, right? Even, even if the Cowboys win. <laughs> if somehow Micah Parsons is single-handedly responsible for the Cowboys win. So if Kevin the final gets- score is like Micah Parsons 23, <laughs> Cowboys 14, Chargers 7, then, then Kevin gets the point, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Bingo. Otherwise, I, I, no decision for Kevin. <laughs> Michael Parsons is going to have a big game. Michael Parsons is going to eat. He didn't like that shirt that George Kittle wore. He took offense to that, and he's going to take you it believe, out. Wow, wow, wow. freaking Kittle with a with an F Dallas shirt, man. 
Um, yeah, when you score three I'm touchdowns, just, I guess you can wear that. <laughs> that is true. Oh. Yeah. Uh huh. I'm reading that uh, Austin Eckler has a 99% chance to return versus the Cowboys. Well, he yeah, needs I to. He's played it. one dang game. Come on, Austin Eckler. <laughs> all right. And, okay. I'm just, and, hey, in, in the interest of full disclosure, I'm just letting you all know. And Michael and, Parsons eating. Yeah. Right. If I remember correctly, uh, Eckler's in a contract year, isn't he? He could be. I'm that. I don't know. I, I think you are correct. So, so uh, Eckler is also like, dang, Austin Eckler, I need to get out there. That's right. Put me <laughs> Take on the that moon. Earn some contracts. Um, ooh, and uh, Connor's on the IR for the Cardinals. That's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, I saw. Man, the injury bug came hard for the NFL today. We I already mentioned Justin Jefferson, uh, Devon Achan or slash Achan yeah. uh, is going to be missing multiple weeks. I don't know if he's been uh, if he's been designated for IR yet. Uh, James Connor for Arizona. Man, yeah, it's been a tough year for for knees <laughs> and ankles. Well, and then Travis Kelsey went down for the dreaded non-contact injury. Thankfully, he came back. In like mid game this past week, but I mean, still. Yeah, I saw that. We sure were thankful about that. I saw that and I thought it was worse than. (laughs) All the Swifties are, Kevin, and uh, Roger Goodell is very thankful for all those eyeballs uh, not going away. Yes. That's true. That's true. (laughs) All right. Well, that's the Pub Dubs for week seven. And as we said, the, the scores, the scoreboard on Moonshine and Scoreboards has been reset and it is now a three pony race. So we'll see how it goes from here. Good luck, everybody. I'm going to kick your butts. <laughs> Ooh, big words. Fingers crossed. Uh, but with that, I do want to thank you guys so much for listening this week. Um, and I want to thank you guys uh, for tuning in. Make sure to give us a follow on this on the X slash Twitter. Just, just um, call it Twitter. Um, it, it's still Twitter. Just, just call it Twitter. <laughs> um, on the Twitter, Moonshine and Scoreboards or... At Boozy Sports Pod, Boozy Sports Pod. There you go. Um, and then I knew I would get it eventually. <laughs> um, and I want to give a huge thanks to Justin and Landon. Thank you guys for coming on here and chit chatting with me Absolutely. about these sports that we love. Uh, once again, none of this would be possible without our wonderful producer Joe, who just oh! sits back, hits the record button, logs off. Goes to bed. Goes to have goes to have some coffee. Comes back, turns the recording off, listens to it, and then places his bets against all of us. Uh, Smart so man, he can make some money. <laughs> so, um, thank you for doing your doing your due diligence there, Joe. Um, and just thank you guys for listening. Uh, go Vols! I hope go you balls. guys enjoy your wonderful college football weekend, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye, bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of Moonshine and Scoreboards. Moonshine and Scoreboards is a Tri-M production and is hosted by Kevin Scott, Landon Doan, and Justin Krutzinger. Our engineer is Joe the Engineer. If you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, Google Podcast, or anywhere you get your podcast. You can email us at moonshineandscoreboards at gmail.com. Subscribe, tell a friend, and come back next week for all of the fun, the games, the moonshine, and of course, the scoreboards. (laughs) 